Welcome into the Solar Insights Podcast. My name is Eric Sauer. we got my friend Johnny Carver here. He's written books. He's worked for NBA teams. You know him. You love him on Twitter. How are you doing, Johnny? Doing great. you, you got to tell him my Twitter name. Oh, you got to go. We're going to plug that in. We're going to plug that up, do it now, and then do it later. Absolutely. At Carver Johnny. Yeah, you got to follow him. Got to at Carver Johnny, you got you got to follow me. If you like me, you got to follow me. You got to follow him, and you you got you've been kind of slowed down on those top five lists. You know that was how I grew the uh, social media presence I have within the little community of the miniature. I, I don't know. It's like in the the deep holes of of NBA Twitter. I guess I don't know. Um, I, like I'm on like the lowest tier, I guess, but but uh, I'm on the lowest tier. But anyway, that that the top five list, um, that was that that was really what what got me there. But you know, after a while, you just come up with the same categories and you just get less, um, you know, engagement. So I wanted to preserve it. I didn't want to overdo it. I wanted to show that I'm more than just one account that does one thing. You know? Oh, exactly. Totally. I just I forgot about that. It just it had been a while, and uh, yeah, I cannot. I was like, how did you come up with so many of them? Anyway, so we have a big episode today. We have a lot of stuff to go over. So we're going to talk about um, all NBA teams, all the awards, as well as we have a fun game at the end, as well as a uh, surprising and surprising teams, both in underachieving and overachieving. So let's dive into it. I have some, let's actually go over, we'll go over some of our preconceived notions. We did one in the preseason, technical difficulties on my end made it so that we couldn't publish it, but it was a really good discussion about this, and now we're kind of coming back into it. Actually, after the season ended, the Toronto Raptors win the championship, uh, that is a spoiler alert there, I guess, needed, um, and we're going to talk about kind of the big four stuff and then get into what we think now that the season is over. So what I have, let's start with MVP first. What did you have in your head about MVP before the season, Johnny? Before the season, I said uh, Giannis was the most likely. Then I said uh, Giannis would – so so I said Giannis won. Um, I think I had Lillard two, and unfortunately I don't remember who my third person was. It, it, Kevin Durant sounds yeah, right. I think it might have been LeBron James actually. LeBron James, yeah, that that sounds right. Yeah, it was shocking enough. I I was, um, yeah, okay, interesting. And I had a, I, I believe, I, I'm, not, I'm just remembering, and I had LeBron James, Giannis, and Anthony Davis on mine, um, in that order. Um, we're, we were kind of wrong about those. Um, we did not anticipate LeBron James having his first real injury in the history of his life. Um, so that is on us, I guess. Um, and Anthony Davis had an entire saga where he doesn't play games and that kind of made it not very helpful to our predictions well yeah i don't have them with me so that's what makes it tough for me um yeah so like i i guess we could go over i I remember on on the top of my head rookie of the year i had Doncic. um for I mean, do you want me to read uh, just read off what I had for the awards, or do you want to go one uh, by one? No, we'll we'll talk about them kind of more individually. So we'll just discuss like the what we thought and what we what what's what's not what's not happened. What's what's happened over the season that has caused these things to go well or not go well. I guess so. Yeah, with us MVP we had before, and the this defensive player of the year I had Joel Embiid, Rudy Gobert, and DeAndre Jordan. I've never been a DeAndre Jordan person. 
But uh, I wanted to put him on there because he's Defensive Player of the Year kind of candidate, and he has fallen off a cliff this year. Huh. All right. Well, uh... So we're going to... That's that's what I have for there. Rookie of the Year, I have Doncic, then Aiton, then Trey Young. And I think I may uh, keep that, or... Uh, depends on... I mean... There's a, let's talk about Rookie of the Year, I guess, for right now. I want to let's get into the deep because we have I have the same three people, um, so I was pretty close on that one. Uh, Doncic probably win it. I'm annoyed at how in the promos for the NBA awards and things like that, DeAndre Ayton isn't, isn't even mentioned, even though he's the number one pick and did just as good as the other two, pretty much just less of a flashy player. Um, so that kind of bummed me out a little bit, just kind of annoying. But uh, what do you think about the kind of the Rookie of the Year race this year? I think it's very clear. I think Luka Doncic won the award. It's a league, like regular season award for like for for a full season. So I think the problem is that people don't understand that they just have recency bias. So the fact that Trey Young had a great final two months, you know, erases in their minds what Doncic was doing because he slowed down statistically. So. You know, I, I can understand where they're coming from, but at the same time, I, I think this is a clear decision. I, I, I think it's Doncic. I, I think yeah, so, too. Absolutely. I think he's going to win it. I just, it's like, uh, DeAndre Aiden might be better down the road, I think. My most improved player before was Josh Richardson, which wasn't terrible, but definitely not going to win the award. Jamal Murray, Chris Middleton, and a dark horse of Josh Jackson, which is not going to come true. So that, that's what I had there. Just some things that are we'll see, and we'll see who actually we think is going to win it. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, in terms of sixth man of the year, it's some. I had Eric Gordon, Dennis Schrodinger, uh, and Tyreek Evans, which they're not terrible, but they <laughs> Eric Gordon might win it, but we think well actually, no, there's some two Clippers are going to win it. One of the two of them is going to win it for sure. Um, Coach of the year: Brett Brown, Rick Carlisle, Brad Stevens, and uh, executive of the year, Magic Johnson. Well, that's not going to happen. Bob Myers and Gerald Murray. So let's take a look at our current predictions now that we uh, have. Uh, I will. Okay, I will be honest because I want to be with you on this. I had Magic Johnson on my list as well. So, so let's let's be clear. I know because we we got the episode deleted, so nobody got to hear that. I had him too. So we can share that shame. We can share that shame, but we actually, he resigned himself. We didn't like, we weren't wrong that he was, but he was not. But he wasn't going to win. Like, regardless, there would be absolutely no reason for him to get a vote for anything related to that award. So, you know, let's just make that clear, I guess. In one sense, the reason we, I think the reason we had him on there was because if you can get LeBron James to sign a four-year deal in his prime, whatever, or I guess it's after his prime now, but for him, it's LeBron James. But if you can get him to sign a five-year deal, that's an uh, achievement in and of itself. But anyway... So yeah. now we'll now we'll kind of go to the actual awards from what we think now that we've seen the entire season and who we think is going to win. So in terms of MVP, what are you thinking now in from right now from what we've seen in the season? Who do you think is going to win? I think James Harden will win because the votes were collected before the playoffs and the championship and all that kind of stuff, and we have to remember how long that's been. I mean, our opinions, this can be really tough going backward because I had to, to do all NBA first, second, and third team today. And, you know, with what I've seen in the playoffs, it makes it difficult to go, you know, go backward. You know what I'm saying? Like back to the season. Yeah. So anyway, it's, it, it's tough to remember, but that was, you know, the feeling at the time. So 
Um, I didn't consider anything that Giannis did during the playoffs within my decision for MVP. Um, and I selected Harden. And I think that, you know, since, you know, other voters will not have had the information that they did, you know, knowing how Giannis played in the playoffs and, you know, taking them to the Eastern Conference finals, maybe that would have, you know, some sort of sway, I guess. Um, you know, but I don't understand if it would or would not. I, I don't, I don't know. Is Paul George your number three? Yes, he is my number three, yes. Same for me. Although I had Giannis as the number one, I think mostly because of narrative, not because of maybe necessarily the playoffs. But the fact that uh, Harden's already won it, Giannis hasn't, I think would factor in in, this, in people's minds whether they believe it when they consciously think it or not. Um, well, and the, the kind of the power and the death-defying things, not death-defying, but uh, the physics-defying things that Giannis does um, and the fact that he is such a better defensive player, I think, is going to make people think that MVP, however they define that, is uh, why I think Giannis, I want him to win it. I also think he will win it, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. So here's to go to Defensive Player of the Year, which uh, comes down, I mean, it could be several players, but I think it's, I have Joel Embiid, Giannis, and Paul George here because Giannis and Paul George were just locking people down all year, and Embiid was kind of patrolling the paint and he was healthy, so uh, that's, I mean, that's kind of a toss-up. I think Embiid probably will win it, um, so that's where I'm at. Uh, okay, so Defensive Player of the Year. That was one that I didn't write down, so I didn't, uh, that was the only one that I forgot. So, um, you know, I'm just going off the top of my head instead of having it with me. I think I would go ahead and vote for Rudy Gobert. Uh, I think I would Rudy Gobert would be my first, and then I would go... Um, Embiid would be my second. And you know who my third vote would be? Uh, Miles Turner. I think that he's someone that's been completely overlooked. I didn't see him on either all defensive NBA teams, but I would have had him among one of the best in the league this year. He's, he's good for sure. Um, in terms of the year, we talked about that. What about most improved player? Somehow I thought of, at first I thought of three Nets players, and I'm like, you can't put only Nets players on there. I can't think of any others. I think I forgot to add my third person, but I have Karis LeVert as the most approved player of the year. Oh, I think it's Pascal Siakam. No question. And and I thought I thought that then I think it now like it's not it hasn't changed throughout the playoffs, um, you know, in such a significant way that I wouldn't have had him before and it's you know, you know, swayed me in that direction. So um, you know, so Pascal Siakam would be my pick. Um, you know, for one if I had to pick two more, I think my second choice would be D'Angelo Russell, and my third pick would be Spencer Dinwiddie. Yeah, so that's the thing. I had Karis LeVert, D'Angelo Russell, and I was like, Spencer Dinwiddie could be on there too. All three Nets guards is kind of crazy. I think Russell maybe gets dinged a little bit because he was the number two pick. Like He should have been as good as he needed to be, He and he just he was terrible for, well, not terrible, but like, not, he wasn't living up to the hype for a while, and now he's actually well, bouncing back to what he should be. Well, it was unfortunate because he was so young, and it seems like he's really matured through the process. But you know, talk about getting kicked on the way out, of the, you know, out the door. He was attached to a you know large contract as an asset just to get that contract away from the team. Like, how would you feel about that at 19 years old? Crazy! It's crazy how bad the Lakers kind of bungled that. Absolutely, and and then through that there were a lot of questions about his leadership and his youth and all that. And, 
you know, what had happened this season before with the video. We don't need to go in that, but into that discussion. But there were a lot of questions about him as a mature basketball player. And then we saw this season he became, you know, both intelligent off the court and on the court. You saw him uh, as a better shot selector than he was in previous seasons. Um, you know, his, his, uh, um, his usage rate was the same, uh, but he was, you know, it, his percentages were higher. So I, I think that's something to consider as well. Yes, definitely. Absolutely. So that brings us to the six month, six man of the year award, which is usually always the same three or four guys to this year. It may, um, depending on how the voters pick, although it probably will end up being one of those guys again. Lou Williams and the Clippers will probably win it. Although I just get annoyed because he's not really a, a, a bench guy. He plays so many starter minutes. Right, I mean, right. It's just so annoying. Like, so, I mean, I've said this on every single time. It's almost like a, ta- it's it's a, a tactic, tactic, you know? Yeah. And it's really annoying. I'm, I'm going to rant this again because I, every time I hear talk about six man of the year, I wrote a, this an article way back when Marky Morris should have won it for the Suns like 10 years ago or whatever it was, so long ago. Um, like 2011 or something, that it's really, it should re- be renamed the Volume Guard Shooter Who Doesn't Have a who Can't Play Defense Award. Like, no matter, no one else has a chance except for those type of people. And the, the, of course, the volume and usage rate are just ridiculous for those people, and they're just shooting away, which is good for a team to have one of those players running the second unit. But, like, the fact that that's the only kind of person who can win it is kind of annoying to me. I understand that as a criteria. Yeah, I I, I definitely understand where you're coming from. So you're saying that if they weren't, I guess you, I I guess I'm confused by the distinction. Yeah, well, like Montrez Harrell, I'm, I'm I would be really happy if he won it because, like for instance, someone who isn't doesn't have the ball in their hands as much just almost doesn't have a chance in the sixth man of the year okay okay yeah yeah no i okay i understand what you're saying yeah that makes sense for us i really hope montrezl wins it so that would be really really nice for me just yeah like hey let's 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 get back to the reality here and what a sixth man of the year actually is right right why well, i think i picked lou williams that was my selection i didn't know we were doing top three yeah, uh, i did as well i so, had those number one yeah, he yeah. So that was my. I just did one uh, selection for each, but he was my selection. Um, I, I don't think it's fair that he is a six man, but I, he fits the criteria of the award, so you have to pick. Yeah, yeah. He's probably going to win it into the actual awards that the media vote for. So now here's where it gets right. kind of a little bit interesting. Here, coach of the year. Where where do you, where do you land on coach of the year? I got three pretty good um, people here that I think could win it. So I, I'm pretty settled on Mike Malone. Yeah, that's see, they have a good shot because that's a young team with like one veteran or two veterans that got to the second um, best record in the West, and it's kind of incredible. Well, you know what's frustrating about it is you know they had the best record in the West, and you know they were successful in the playoffs, and they only had one All Star on the entire team. And we're yeah, still so. able to have a better record than the Warriors and, and, and uh, the Rockets and so many other teams that had, you know, many more all-stars and weapons and, you know, were much more prepared for the playoffs. So, you know, that that's very impressive to me as a coach. And, 
you know, that was a team that I didn't even expect to make the playoffs in the first place. Unless I'm missing something here, Johnny, it looks like the Warriors did have a better record than the Nuggets did in the West, 57-25 and to 54-28. and But uh, definitely the Nuggets overachieved a bit. Oh, I do. Oh, so do you have my predictions? Or oh, no, I just have the, the conference standings. Oh, okay, okay. Um, so yeah, so I think, but the fact that they got second, I mean, the fact that they have 54 wins with one All Star, I mean, with with Paul Millsap is is incredible, and he was injured yeah. for a lot of the year. Absolutely. So you have the, you have Mike Malone. He's number he's my number three. Um, though uh, coach of the year is always like impossible, and uh, it could really, literally go to any three of these guys. Uh, Mike Bolden, Mike Budenholzer, Nick Nurse, and Mike Malone. And the Nick Nurse is not based on. Uh, um, them winning the championship is based on the fact that as a rookie coach, taking a player who you just got, like who came over, who's notorious, like it's quite literally so hard not to deal with, but uh, to incorporate when you have such a crazy good player. And then you also get Marcus all in the middle of the season. And that's just, it's, it's an impossible. It's hard to really t- to coach that and to do everything with his not lack of experience because he has experience, but lack of, I mean, he had not been a assistant for very long as he had been in Rio Grande Vipers and doing a other lower level coaching. And then he got his, that's how he got his, his uh, experience that way, as opposed to being on an NBA bench for a while. So it's kind of incredible that Nick Nurse has got to where he is. And I'm so happy for him that he did. Well, I absolutely agree with everything that you said, the way that the awards were selected, they were selected before the playoffs. And so much changed from when the playoffs began to now, you know, his ability to coach. He, he outcoached every coach that they played in every series, excuse me, um, throughout the entire playoffs. And that's, you know, yeah, he, he, um, he, in the finals, he was brilliant. So, um, I, I, re- I really appreciated his lineups in the playoffs and, and he's really changed my mind as opposed to what I would have voted for as the voters did uh, before the playoffs began. True, but I, I think just the fact of what they had to incorporate as a coach and getting the um, second-best record in the East and better record than the Warriors um, is worth being a coach of the year, regardless of how well they did in the playoffs, for sure. Now, back to executive of the year. This is even more interesting somehow. I have three people. I'm curious who you're going to pick, though. Okay, so... I would have one vote that would matter way more than any others, and it's Masai Ujiri, and I would have had him then, and uh, I absolutely would now, because he was willing to put his entire season and legacy, I guess, on the line. Because, you know, for one season, they were taking away the franchise leading player, they got rid of the coach of the year, and basically disassembled most of their team from the previous season in one in one year. So you know he put all of his chips out there, um, made some excellent moves. Obviously, the development of Pascal Siakam should be considered. You know, w- with all of that, you know, and the fact that you know they won the championship. And, and I know that we're not considering this for these uh, that for the the awards, but you know to have created this team. Without anybody on it, that was a lottery pick. That's amazing to me. For the for the, I tweeted this out the, the last night, but 
do you, I mean, I know you understand, Johnny, but for the listeners, do you understand how insane it is for an NBA champion team to have no lottery picks on it? That is freaking insane. I know, absolutely. It's legendary. Like, usually there's three All-Stars who are all picked in the top ten. They have none of those. None. No, you're absolutely right. Like, that's, it's incredible. Anyway, just someone stew on that and figure, figure out, like, just take that in and then, yeah, tweet me if you, if you want. At Eric underscore SAR. E-R-I-C underscore S-A-A-R. Just so everybody knows. Um, so that was just incredible. The other two I had were Bob Myers, somewhat the, somewhat the, uh, Boogie Cousins thing. Also just crafting this five year run. And it's incredible. And it, and we'll see if it continues. I'm really excited. But my third one was Elton Brand. Being able to get Tobias Harris and Jimmy Butler to come alongside with them and still have like some semblance of, a, of not depth necessarily because they didn't have a ton of depth, still have a functioning team and have four pretty stinking good players was pretty good for someone who's only been in the job, what, a year and a half. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. My second pick uh, would have been Doc Rivers. So I disagree with you there. Um, didn't, didn't he give it up as a GM title though? Yeah. He, well, oh, okay. So we're so we're we're still an executive. Yeah, executive. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, my second executive would probably be Danny Ainge at the time. Um, you know, given the fact that you know they built so many assets, so you know it's it's amazing what's changed in the small amount of time that we've had. But you know, without that uh, knowledge, you know, prior to that. You know, sticking with what I would have had on my ballot at the time, um, you know, I would go with with him. So that that's what makes it difficult. Yeah, Danny Ainge did a good job this year getting those people together um, and having those max slots as well as these good burgeoning players, and it's the good thing for the, for sure. Right, and uh, I I think the um, you know the last one um, would be I you know the Denver Nuggets front office, um, and it, it, I I think I had multiple. Uh, people, it was, uh, Tim Connolly and, um, I, I don't want to mispronounce his name, uh, Arturis Karen Sonath. This, um, yeah, it's, it's a very difficult, it's a very, very difficult last name. I'm trying to, as hard as I can. Um, I, I, I want to give, um, both of them credit for the team that they put together this season. You know, nobody expected the Nuggets to be, um, you know, the team they were this season, and I think they deserve a lot of credit for the way that they built that system. Yeah, it was, I mean, I mean, what I, before the season, I expected them to be what, the eighth, seventh seed? I, like I said, I don't, I didn't have them in the playoffs at all. Yeah. Well, we all have LeBron and the Lakers, though. Yeah, I had, um, I had the Lakers as a three seed, if I, if I remember correctly. Oh, yeah. But, I had them as an eight. With, yeah, the problem with that is even looking back and, you know, not even getting into the Anthony Davis thing and the fall from that, the injury is not something that we could have predicted. Yeah, especially how so, big it was for the groin for the two or three months he was out. Right. So, you know, without that injury, I think that team is totally different. I think that they do make the playoffs. I think they probably may would make a run, um, you know, at least to face the Warriors and, um, you know, people would have a, a pretty high level of respect for them if they were able to put together a full season. And I, I think the track that they were on right before the injury was to be, you know, somewhere around the three or the four seed, if I remember correctly. Yeah. I would, it just would be funny or not funny to see them try to play the playoffs with like three good players. 
I'm such, a, I'm such an anti-Lakers guy. Oh my goodness, it's because I'm a Suns fan. The Suns fans, like they, they don't like every all the teams except for the Lakers and the Spurs. That's it. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Um. So one thing I was noticing from this Toronto Raptors, how them winning and everything is how amazing this NBA league is and how open it is right now. It's amazing. What What do you mean by open? And you, next year is going to be a, such an interesting year in terms of one where everybody goes for this offseason. Oh, so like in a, in a sense of parity. Okay, yeah, yeah. I think right. Like so, you know, any team has a chance. Yeah, that's why I think that this is a um, transcendent title because you know this is different than you know previous dynasties that have come before it, where you know the the Heat they were contenders for multiple years, the Celtics in the past uh, when they had Garnett and and and, and um. You know, Ray Allen and all them, um, you know, so for a very long time, even before the Warriors, there were, you know, seasons where, you know, it felt like, you know, there was at least one team that really had a stronghold on, um, you know, a chance to win a title every single year. But this is one of those outlier years like the Detroit Pistons in 2004. Um, you know, another one I'm trying to think. Um, the Mavericks and. The Mavericks in 2011, yeah, that's another one, especially because that team broke up after the season. I think that's the best comparison, actually, because that's similar to what could happen here uh, from a cap perspective. Yeah, I mean, with with Clay and Durant's injuries, the Warriors just can't, especially with the, with the fact that Durant might opt in the 30 million or whatever on that. Like, it's gonna be really hard for them to make the playoff. Well, okay, I'm not gonna say that. It's really hard for them to make the finals again regardless of what happens. Well, the thing that's going to be interesting for them is that I know they won't have Durant, uh, regardless of, of what he does in free agency, just because I, it sounds like he'll be out for a calendar year. Um, so he, he might miss the whole season and would miss the playoffs. But Clay Thompson would probably be ready by then. And so, you know, having Clay Thompson before the playoffs, I think would make a difference and would at least allow them to contend in the playoffs. Um, in the following season, and I, I understand that wouldn't make them um, front runners, but I, I think that would put them in the mix if you add uh, a healthy Clay Thompson in the playoffs, regardless of seed. Yeah, one thing, a little caveat here: that, that Draymond Green is is inter- the the key piece there in terms of how uh, well he can play, as well as Iguodala as well, because of how old they are um, for what they do. But here's something: I was watching the game. I mean, I can't believe that the game six and how close that was. I've never seen a team. I don't think I've ever watched an NBA game where a team didn't act. One of the teams didn't accidentally get up by eight points. I don't think either team got up by eight points. Yeah, it was it was tight. And game six, you know, no matter what the score was, it was a dogfight. I mean, even before the the Clay Thompson injury. They just both looked like they were just scrambling for breath, and they just the, the speed was too much for them, and there just wasn't enough depth. And you know that's they, they were all tired. I mean, what they had been through in the Eastern Conference uh, playoffs and the Western Conference playoffs, especially the Western Conference playoffs, with you know what ha- what happened to Looney and you know the the recurring injuries to Thompson and and to Steph. I, I think that's something to consider as well. I mean, Steph played so many games, and he looked so tired in this finals, like ridiculously tired. Yes, absolutely. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little thing on Draymond. Okay, so this let's see if you what you think of this. I cannot. Draymond is maybe the least talented, most impactful player I've ever seen. 
like like he's he's very he ma- makes so many smart plays and so many things, but his finesse and his talent just drives me crazy. He can barely shoot, he can barely make layups, but he just makes everything happen. He is like the most impactful player I've ever seen. Yeah, no, absolutely. I I, I would max him um just like I would Clay, just like I would um Kevin Durant. All of them. I would give them full maxes for the, the full length and, and I would keep this team together. You figure out and you do and you make some depth together with the minimum deals you can. Yep. Yep, you you leave everybody else on the veterans minimum. You pay the luxury tax for just next season, and uh, you try to rally together um, and keep it together for um, you know next season, which will be tough with the injuries. And hopefully, one more year after that, and then see where you can go from there. And the, the, I mean, Steph could get another MVP next year if they don't have those two players. He'll go bonkers um, in terms of usage rate for sure. And uh, yeah, so that'll be really, really interesting for them. Let's uh, shift gears here a little bit too. We had uh, we wanted to do something called teams and overachieved and underachieved. Who is your overachieving team this year? All right, so I have to get back to my. Um, so you, so that was like most surprising. Yeah, so I had um, the Toronto Raptors for sure, and 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 so that's not something that I even have with foresight of knowing that they're the champions, even just during the season, the way that they completely flipped, um, you know, from being, you know, they only had Van Vliet and I think Lowry are the two guys that have really been a part of that whole run that they've had in the last four or five years, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, Ibaka was from the Magic, Marcus Saul, Siakam's too young, Danny Green was gone, Kawhi was gone. Yeah, it's just, I mean, Lowry for sure, and right, Fleet so, a little bit, so, yeah, Norman exactly. Powell maybe. So, so putting it together a, a full new team, being able to play as well as they did, um, I that was something that I considered at that moment, and, you know, I would consider that now as well, obviously, because... You know, we know now, you know, who the champion is, and that's different than, you know, the, the purpose of voting. But, um, you know, I, I think that's something to consider, so, I, guess. I guess. So happy for Impact Basketball guys, Kyle Lowry, Sergi Baca. Love that they got those rings. Why? Yeah. Why? Kawhi's Kawhi also did. Yeah, Kawhi did too. I forgot. A- absolutely. He, he's a big Impact guy. Like, they, they really did a lot to reconstruct his shot. Like, that's you know, one of the main points of his whole turnaround and you know the success over his career and so just so everybody knows i'm an impact certified trainer the only one in arizona and johnny used to he did you did an internship with them or something you worked with them for a summer i was yeah i was a um a seasonal development coach I, th- I think we called it um you know for the summer so um i worked there i think it was the summer of 2017 something like that. yeah that sounds right yeah i was in a player development capacity so, so yeah. yeah love player development it's really my, i love doing it it's yeah, you, you know, I really specifically love doing it with children. Um, you know, I, I had the chance to work with, you know, 12 year olds, 13 year olds. I, I really enjoyed that. The help, um, to be able to help, you know, their development and, you know, work with their skill sets. It, it was something that I really enjoyed. So, um, you know, I completely agree with you there. I love growing, helping them grow their confidence in, in basketball and have the joy that we all know that NBA players have and that we all have with basketball and seeing that grow when they have the competency to do the things correctly. 
Right, right. And, and I also enjoyed guys that, you know, were fringe NBA players um, that worked really hard. I, I, I really like guys that were appreciative, hardworking. Um, you know, I wasn't somebody that wanted to train the best players um, in the gym. I, I wanted to train the guys that, that really needed help and wanted help and wanted to get better and, and, and really had, um, you know, a, a reason to want to make a difference, not just, you know, developmentally, but financially. You know, that's a huge change for them. If they're able to develop their game, they can get a contract and, you know, then they secure themselves financially for life. That's something that's really important. Their family as well. Right, right. Anyway, so that was really, I mean, it's, yeah, so good. Um, what about the teams that underachieve? I have one that underachieved, and I'm, let's see what you have first. No, I, I have one team. I, I refuse to put any other teams. Just This is the only one. Boston Celtics. Yep, it yep. was disappointing. They're like was, 12 wins below what they should have done. Well, yeah. Well, I, I would have had them. I, I think I guessed that they were going to win somewhere between 67 and 69 games. Oh, I thought 60. My 67 games? Yeah, I had them. I had them near 70. They did not get that. I, they got like 49 I, or something like that, 59. I was thinking at the beginning of the season, I was like, oh, man, those bench players, Semi Ojale, getting in a ton of minutes. Yeah, they got 49 wins, 49. Yeah, I, I would have had them way higher. So um, it, it's it's extremely frustrating to see what happened over the course of the season. Um, you know, I have a lot of questions about Kyrie Irving as a leader. You know, for him to stand up in front of a crowd, in front of, uh, you know, angry, hostile Bostonians. And I mean that in the nicest of ways, um, you know, because my brother went to college there, so... Um, you know, I totally understand the fact that that's the way they are, but Kyrie tells the crowd, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to sign next year. And then, you know, not even what, six months later, he says, ask me July one. He is one of the frust- most frustrating people that I've seen in NBA circles too. I mean, he just drives me crazy in so many ways. Yeah. It's it just his personality um, you know, the, and, and the way that he in, infected the locker room, but it wasn't just him. There were a lot of disappointments, um, development only for them. You know, they didn't understand the idea that it's hard to go from using one team and then adding in two superstars and trying to figure out the minutes from there because they were used to that usage rate that they had in the playoffs. I mean, you know who the top three leading scorers were? last season in the Eastern Conference Finals for the Celtics? Rozier, Tatum, and Brown. Yeah. So so those three guys, I mean, to start with Tatum, you know, his I, I know his usage would be the same. Um, who were the other two? Uh, Rozier, I mean, I'm guessing Rozier and uh, um, Brown. Yeah, that, that that would sound right. Yeah, so, so Brown, um, you know, for him, you know, having Gordon Hayward come in, you know, that's another spot, you know, that two, three, um, you know, position that, that, that really changes his minutes. Um, it also changes his usage. So, um, you know, it's a completely different team and the ball stops when it's in Kyrie Irving's hands. And so, you know, that completely changes the flow. And these are things that they just didn't consider. Yeah. I think it's weird. That's Jack McMullen, Jackie McMullen had a great set of talks about Celtics. Obviously she's great at the Celtics beat. Um, and, uh, she talked a lot about, I mean, the development and how that how that works and what you just explained and definitely it's just people take a look at that. It's always interesting how this brings up more of a philosophical basketball point about linear progression on development in the NBA. Like people who are fans of it 
assume linear linear development and no regression almost um as someone's younger like the fact that they're younger means that they'll develop it's like kind of and even if they have um the work ethic so the work ethic is the x factor to that if they are young and they have the work ethic then probably they'll be better but there's also this i would i think tatum and brown are very um it sounds like they have good work ethic and they were young but that their problem was circumstances which is another x factor that can smother no matter what you have in terms of work ethic yeah absolutely i, I just can't say it better myself yeah so that's i mean it's just really it's frustrating because they should have done better they didn't we understand why if you if you take a look and understand how the nba works and how these players think and because there's it's just i mean let's let me see if you think if you agree with this and the fact that how this affects it there's like three kinds of people three kinds of players in the nba the ones trying to prove themselves to prove that they belong or they can make it in the league. Um, typically, you're you're taking out the uh, like star rookies and sophomores because they know they're going to make it. But fringe players, as well as the ones who are um, undrafted or people like Van Fleet or people that are trying to make it in the league, they just want the big payday to prove that they are an NBA player. Then there's the players who, um, obviously, there's the ring chasers late in their careers and people who want to. Uh, um, they already made their money and they want to just get rings for their legacy and that. So, I mean, there's really, those are the two big ones. And others are, they're just the ones who, uh, I, guess, I guess there's only two, two. What do you think about how, I mean, that, and trying to combine those into, uh, and there's people who want to win championships, like championships and then money. So that's the, the intermingling of those two kinds of people and two, um, motivations in NBA basketball really, uh, makes for, interesting chemistry within these teams and really if you can't get those together you're going to have some problems i <laughs> you know it's like there were so many questions within that that larger point i don't really know which one to address first um so, yeah i i guess you gotta go one question at a time um <laughs> you know I, I i absolutely agree with everything you said um, you know, but, but, uh, you know, I, it's tough to know what to add, you know, without, you know, one, one specific focus. Some of them might, I might some of them might have been, uh, self questions or just soliloquies there, but it's very interesting. I mean, just, it's interesting to see how you have different players in different parts of their lives and their careers trying to mesh them together because you need young players, you need veterans. And right, right. Right, you right, can't right, build right, a team right. without doing it that way because you can't, okay, quote unquote, you can't go all in, like, like the Brooklyn Nets did in 2012. That was that that I I think that had broader implications within ownership and 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 there were there were a lot of outside factors. I I, I don't know if that's the best example, but I I, w- I would say that. What's what's important, I think, you know, in developing a team is that you maintain chemistry, you stay loyal to your players, and you develop the guys that you have within your own locker room. So I think that's the most important thing that you have to consider. Absolutely. Well, let's dive into the All NBA teams. We still have all the NBA. This is what I've been. This is what I've been ready for. Yeah. Okay. All NBA teams. First team. We got two guards, two forwards, and a center for all three teams. Um, the first, okay. We, 
Is that so? We start with first team and then second team and then third. We're gonna do the first, second, third team. But first, we need to discuss some philosophical points about about um, all NBA teams, injuries, and um, I want to hear your thoughts on first injuries and then on uh, good or bad teams. Like, is it can a, a team be too bad for a player to be on this team on any right, of the teams? Right. So let's hear what those two things. Okay, so, um, you know, to, I, I guess, address the first point, um, which was, um, you know, that... Um, injuries, I mean, like... Right, it was the injuries one, right, 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 right. You know, talking about that in the... Uh, so so you're saying, like, you're talking about missed games? How many missed games can a player miss to be on an all-NBA team? Yeah, I, I fluctuate around 55, 50 to 55, but I think it's situational. Um, you know, if it's a guy that, that's had staggered injuries that has developed, um, that's different than, than losing guy, a guy in one huge gap. Um, I, I treat that differently. Um, you know, I, I think that, like, there's a difference between, you know, the way that LeBron was this season versus, you know, Anthony Davis the season before where he would miss – um, you know, a, a lot of games, in, you know, in, in between, um, you know, so that's the way that I looked at it. So for for the injury thing, I have I basically have taken out LeBron, Anthony Davis, Booker and Leonard for this. But I may we may add them in here as we uh, discuss it further. We'll get it. We'll, we'll get to it. We'll, we'll get to it. Well, yeah. So that we'll discuss that further. What do you think about how bad a team can be to have a player in the, the uh, top th- in the first? Three teams. What do you mean by that? Like, philosophically, can Devin Booker be on an All-NBA team? I think it's situational. It's the same thing. Like, so, so there's, there's a distinction. So the distinction would be, like, for example, Kemba Walker. Yeah. Kemba Walker doesn't have a whole lot of help. You know who the, uh, the second leading scorer of the team was? I mean, it had to have been Batum, right? I think it was Lamb. It was Jeremy Lamb? I think, I, I, I think so. I think it was. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you get all the awards and all the money. Absolutely. No, that's something you have to consider. And so, you know, that's, that's what makes it frustrating because, you know, that's there, you know, there's the contractual distinction, um, you know, with, with, you know, their contracts where there's, if you make an all NBA first, second or third team, you know, you're more likely, um, or sorry, you, you meet the criteria for having, um, you know, the rookie extension or the supermax, um, especially the supermax this year, um, with, uh, you know, I, I think it was, it was three guys, um, Kemba, Clay and Bradley Beal was the third guy, right? Yeah, for for Supermax. Right. Yeah, that had that had uh, you know the potential to have Supermax. Yeah. So, um, you know that that that's that's something I that I considered, um, you know, with this. Yeah. So I didn't I didn't consider too much. I didn't put Booker on there, but I was I wanted to look up something. Can you guess who the second leading scorer for the Suns was? The second second leading scorer of the Suns. I'm really tuned out. Um, TJ Warren. He, yeah, TJ Warren, who didn't play the last three months of the season. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was my guess. Kelly, Obre- Kelly Oubre, who didn't play the first three months of the season for the Sens. So, yeah, that's where we're at with that. Yeah, I, I, I had it too. Um, okay, so I, but I didn't put him on there because I, I don't think they are good enough. Like, like I think he, I want him to be. I think he should. I think he, I hope it would be very awesome if he could be, and he would deserve it. But I feel like you can find, especially if you add in James and Davis and Leonard to this, if you think that the criteria for them, which it sounds like you do, um, would there would not be enough room for sure. So why don't we do our first teams? Obviously, we're going to be a little different because we have slightly different philosophies on this. But why don't you say your first two guards? Okay. So I have very obviously Steph Curry and James Harden. Same. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty obvious. I mean, they, they did, they played too well and no one else was going to beat them out. Right. And I think Steph played 66 games, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I have it up here. Let me, one second. Let me pull it up. Um, cause I think this is more than philosophical. I think, I think he actually played something like 60 games. 69. Maybe. 69, 69. To me, that's definitely over the threshold of games played. Yeah, so, yeah, no, I think it's 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 very easy. Yeah, like, well, apparently my 64 is my limit, because Embiid is 64. Right, right, right. But, oh, then, then Booker, Booker played 64. He could be in it. <laughs> anyway, so who is your uh, two forwards? So I had Giannis and Paul George. Same. There was a point in the season where I had him as the most improved player. Uh, Giannis? No, uh, uh, Paul George. Oh yeah, because he, he, cause yeah, it's like everybody says, um, it's harder to go from good to great than okay to good. Absolutely. It's harder because, because it's, because it's not a substantial, like, you just get better at shooting. It's like, hey, get 2% better at something that you're already better than everybody else in the world at. Exactly. Why don't you do that? Why don't you do that for us? Right, right. Yeah, no, that, no, no, exactly. I, I couldn't say it better myself. Partially, partially is that you, you can't, because you can't work harder. You can work hard and get good at basketball. And it, and hard work, but from there, hard work's not going to get him better. It's going to be like, I mean, obviously hard work is part of it, but it's like some just crazy circumstances that get you, put you in the right circumstance to to get to that second extra two percent who's your uh center for the first team okay so my center for the first team is Jokic. okay so i put Embiid because i don't think i mean obviously Jokic is a he just didn't score enough it was driving me crazy i was looking at it today i feel very strongly about this okay then defend it let's go okay Jokic was the only all-star on what at one point was the Highest seeded team in the Western Conference. That was absurd. So, you know, his, his passing ability was is absolutely unique. I, I've rarely, rarely seen anything like it. I mean, there was a skip pass he had. I think it was in the, I think it was Game Seven of the Spurs series over to a, a drifting uh, corner floater three. Um, you know, he was, uh, he was going drift corner, um, you know, and, and he was, he was in slot, you know, over on the left side of the court and just made a no look pass across the entire defense, you know, That's incredible. And, and, I mean, and, and saw that, yeah, he saw the shooter. It was amazing. Yeah. But he, he makes up with, he, he makes up with it 
uh, offensively beyond just scoring, I think that you have to include the fact that he, you know, he also sets screens really, really well. And it, it opens up the entire offense, and, and he does it so frequently. So, you know, the entire offense revolves around him. Um, it, you know, every defense has to, you know, position itself, you know, to make sure that he doesn't get inside the paint because, you know, he's so lethal down low. You know, he's able to set screens, roll off, you know, when he gets the ball, you know, the, the, everybody collapses within the defense. So, you know, it opens up everything for every, everybody else. So, you know, I, that was something else that I considered with that. Here is something, a hot, like, okay, you know me, I never have hot takes, but I just thought of one and we'll see what you think of it. Right, there is right. a similarity between Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic. That's a, it's a negative, a slight negative that they both share that I think will cause them neither one to ever have an MVP. What is that? Back their setters? The, no, no, the fact that they both can often be passive and can't, they can't take over a game, but they can't, I don't think they can do it consistent enough to an MVP. I just thought of this. We'll see if it, we'll see if it holds up. I, I, I don't take personality into, into, into effect. And I, I have you know, on the court, passivity on the court, like on offense. Okay. Well, there's a difference between passing and passive. I said He's passive. passive. Yeah. Being passive on offense in terms of not to just take over the game. No, but I mean philosophically, right? Right. So, so you know, passing in terms of, you know, creating offense, you know, going to set the screen, um, and then being, you know, so, you know, positive, you know, passing, playing on the words, um, and, you know, versus passive, where you're saying that, you know, he's timid offensively. You know, I think he's far from timid. I think it's the complete opposite. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was kind of a hot take off the off the – off of here, but it was it was interesting. I mean, I don't know. Do you think either of them are gonna get MVP? It's a tough question. It's a very tough question. I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna say no, and I'm gonna say it's unfair that he won't. Yeah. Well, I say who are you saying? But he because I'm jo- Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic. Oh, so you're saying each guy? Right. So. They're they're both different. If Embiid stays healthy, absolutely he will win an MVP. He'll do it in the next four to five seasons. Really? Because I I mean, when's the last time we saw a center win MVP? Was it Shaq? Shaq, Tim Duncan, twice. Is Tim Duncan a center? Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's a center exactly. Oh uh, man, so I don't know. Well, there's I mean, there's that. Okay. Then you also have to consider the fact that, um, you know, uh, later on in the 2000s, we had Dwight Howard. And he was, he was an MVP candidate. So, you know, that's, that's another one. I mean, there could have been a season where Dwight Howard won an, M- uh, won an MVP. I know that's, that's tough to see, um, you know, you know, or remember, I guess, from, from now, but. No, um, I think, I mean, he's a Hall of Famer because of the three Defensive Player of the Year awards. He'll be fine. Right, but but back in 2009, 2010, you have to remember, you know, at the time, it would not be inconceivable that he would win an MVP that one of those two years. I think the reason, what I, my, my thing is more of a on the margins, I think that he didn't because it's so much harder for a center to win just because the forwards have the ball more, the pointers have the ball more, they're orchestrating things, and that's somewhat, like you said, unfair to the center's in that in that in that way. 
Right. Let's go second team. Who do you got the second team? All right. So, wow, we've already blown by the first team. All right. Um, I had, okay, Damian Lillard was obvious, and, and, and I just want to make sure you have him too. He's the, he's my first guard, and okay, he is okay. such – I love – I was studying this on Twitter. I don't remember who was talking, but he is – oh, you, you and I were talking about him as a leader and Tim Duncan and stuff. Yeah, so um, what were your thoughts on it? I mean, I think he's just such a good leader, and he's, I can't wait to see what he can do. I hope that they can build a little bit more around him. Obviously, they went really far Western Conference Finals this year, but I hope that they can get to the finals. I want to see him in the most – pressure way and get some game time in the finals yeah i don't think there's a more infectious leader in the nba than damian lillard and that is absolutely something that had to be considered so not just his on the court presence and the fact that you know and i talked about this i think in the first podcast that was erased um the uh the the podcast of the lost right (laughs) right but uh i i think i talked about it then um, you know, that was, it, it was just much different. Um, I, I guess I lost my, my train of thought, but, um. Lillard and leadership. Well, just so while you think of that, think of what you were thinking of, just so the listeners know, we, John and I were talking about leadership and how Tim Duncan has created such a, an aura around the Spurs that they're still crediting him with building a 20 plus year uh, culture in, in there, and that's what really what leaders do, and that Lillard is doing in Portland as we speak. And I, to push back slightly, I think that the fact that Lillard is a vocal leader could give him a little more ceiling on his leadership, which is putting him in a leadership in the NBA as a player in a, a atmosphere that is just kind of incredible and hard to fathom. Right, right. But, yeah, I think Tim Duncan probably is still a better leader just because we haven't seen enough from Lillard to see if he's going to be that good of a leader. Oh, okay, you're talking about the comparison between Duncan and, and Lillard. I thought you were just trying to say, you know, Lillard alone. Oh, no, I just – well, Lillard, Tim, I was just talking on Twitter about that. Just trying to oh, oh Tim Duncan, they're 20 years, 20 years infected a, a culture. And, and um, you know, he impacted that culture so much that when he left – it was impacted negatively, and it's and it showed. And so, you know, you, you have to consider that. So, you know, in terms of infectious leaders, you, you hear the stories. Um, you know, you saw it on the court. Um, you know, it's changed. You saw it in the way that they tweeted or treated Kawhi. Um, you know, after Tim Duncan was gone, he's one of the best leaders in the history of sports. And so, you know, I think there's a complete distinction between Tim Duncan um, and Damian Lillard in that sense. Um, you know, in terms of experience, but um, in terms of capability, I think he's one of the most capable leaders we have in the league. Um, I think he is the most capable leader um, just because of his personality. Um, it's it very positive. Um, he wants to be inclusive. He wants other people to be involved. Um, he wants other people to be successful. So I, you know, I think he's able, you know, he's willing to give up the ball if he needs to, um, but he also understands that he, you know, has to have a high usage rate in order for them to be successful. He leads from the front when he needs to and not from the front when he doesn't need to. And knowing the difference is the hardest thing for leaders. Yeah, it's tough. So uh, who is your other guard? I, I, So I wanted to do it individually. I want to hear yours first because mine's going to shock you. 
I had Kemba Walker. Okay, that shocks me, so let's talk about that. Um, I had him or Bradley Beal, and I picked him over Bradley Beal for a second. Okay, okay, so we, we, we agree. Okay, so that was not the actual outcome, so just, just so everybody knows. Wait, what? So, so ni- uh, neither of them actually were on the second team. So who was on the second team? I missed it then. It was Russell. It was Russell. Russell Westbrook. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I had him off my thing completely. Right, right. But I, I just wanted to make sure that distinction was clear. Yeah, I had, I have, I have, I have Walker there and Bradley Beal as the third team. I, I didn't have, I was only, I did, the second, third team are going to be a little bit sketchy just because I did not have enough, very much time to do. So, so my, my second guard was Bradley Beal and I thought it was just going to shock everybody. Nah. He I mean, played really I well mean, this year without John he did, Wall. He did so much with so little, and we forget the amount of issues they had within their locker room. I mean, it was it was intense. Yeah, and I think I think there was I think the game they played against the Suns was probably why I am not as shocked about it. Just how masterful he was. He's really improved as a playmaker um, since since I saw him several years ago. Obviously, I keep seeing him, but. Um, just since I've, as we've been, as he's matured, he's just really coming to his own as a playmaker more you know, than just a shooter. It, it's true about, um, yeah, I think I'm trying to think of another guy who's kind of like this. Um, but I guess, um, you know, he's, when, when things go bad and his usage rate increases, he gets better. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, the wall injury happened and, you know, everything else happened, you know, around him. And, you know, he was still able to put something together. So, I, you know, I think that was something that you have to, you know, consider, you know, with him on the second team. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so, I, that, I mean, that's a, that's a coin flip, Kemba and Bradley Beal. That's a total coin flip. Um, but, yeah. I, I don't have it as a coin flip at all. I, th- I, I think it's clearly uh, Bradley Beal. Well, there you go. That's why we're doing this. Yeah, I, I think it's clearly Bradley Beal. Um, I, I was so I was shocked that you were going to have either of those. I, I thought you'd have Westbrook. He, he didn't play. I mean, like he didn't score enough points. He didn't. He, he kind of phoned it in a little bit, right? I mean, listen, listen. I, I agree with you. I, I could not agree with you more. Um, statistically, voters would disagree. So I'm just telling you what I expected, you know? Yeah, yeah the triple doubles and stuff is what biases people to do things in the way how, cause like, so there's a difference though, like, I'm not, no one's, I'm not trying to bag on Russell Westbrook. He has, the term I use for him is relentless. If he's playing against you, you're going to hate playing basketball for a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, oh yeah, no, he's, see, I call him Sonic the Hedgehog, and you have to give him credit too. You know, he, he had to adjust his usage rate and pass more than he ever has. And he passed and he makes his free throws and he defends and he always plays hard. You have to consider that. So he passes um, the bad um, shooters. It's crazy. But I also, I also, you know, considered the fact that he really struggled as a leader. Um, he struggled, you know, throughout the entire season, uh, hopefully with the media. Um, you know, I, that's, that, that's what ended up, you know, being their downfall, but it was something that they dealt with the entire season. So, um, that's why I had him on the third team rather than the second team. I think part of it is also that it kind of became, as we said, we, we both were very Paul George, pro Paul George, and it kind of, in a sense, became Paul George's team, obviously not 
by like um, visually because Russell Westbrook is such that personality and so famous. And right, Holdridge right. Too, I guess, but like he's a much a little bit more of a uh, reserved person, <laughs> at least comparatively. Yeah, exactly, um, exactly. But uh, so yeah, so that's part of I think part of the reason that it's not as shocking to me, at least because of how of how that turned around. Who are your forwards for second team? So my forwards were Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard. Okay, so I had uh, Kevin Durant and Blake Griffin only because I had obviously Kawhi Leonard off the list for injury reasons. But I do not hate putting him on there as the other forward. Um. So yeah. So I had I had Kevin Durant. I think that was pretty obvious. Um. You know, in, in most years you would want him to be a first team player. Like I wanted to create a sixth guy and add Kevin Durant, but I couldn't. So, so um. You I know, mean, he gets in there if you don't have a center position as another forward. He beats out Embiid or Nick or Jokic. Oh yeah, absolutely. So you know the fact that you know he plays on a team that we don't like and. Um, you know, a bunch of superstars emerge together has nothing to do with, you know, his, uh, his output. So, um, you know, his output is tremendous, you know, and he splits it with Steph. So, you know, if he did it by himself, you know, it, it would be magnified. So, um, you know, I thought he was obvious. Um, Kawhi Leonard, I know people said, um, you know, say that he didn't play enough games to be considered, you know, that highly, but, you know, it was something that they planned. Yeah. So, I mean, he, played 60, yeah, yeah. he played 60, so it's like on the border. I mean, like, I don't hate you, hate anybody including him, but 60 is just not very many games. Yeah, no, but, but it was planned. You know, they, they sat down before the season, they talked about what they were going to do, and for those 60 games, he played as hard as he could, he was as impactful as he could, um, you know, and it was something that was planned and it was in his control. And, and so, um, you know, that's, that's why I picked him. Yep. Who are the uh, the uh, who's the center? Oh, it's Embiid. Oh, yeah, so and I obviously switched to Nikola Jokic and Embiid. Yeah, it, it was so Embiid was way closer to being first. Um, you know that that's uh, you know somebody that I had I think in late April I had or, or no it was early April. Sorry, you know it's, it's finals. They they just they wear you out. Um, you know, you know I think it was like late March, early April. I still had Embiid. At first team. Yeah, so, so I, you know, I had to, um, you know, I had to think about it and, you know, who's impacted their team more? I picked Jokic. And I talked to, you know, I, I really focused on, you know, his impact offensively, you know, the way that he sets screens, you know, he creates spacing, you know, I think that's really important. So, um, you know, that's, that's why I made that distinction, but, you know, other than that, Embiid, you know, it's it's like he has incredible muscle memory. I mean, you, you tell him to, to you know, the, here's a new move, and he goes out and does it in the game. Yep, absolutely. Um, for Let's do the third team, and then we'll uh, kind of wrap up some final thoughts on some other players around that and then get to the uh, little game we have planned. Um, who's your uh, two guards for your third team? You said Russell was right. one of them. All right, so I had Russell Westbrook. You have to have him on there. Um, you know, I will give him credit. I will give him credit. He knew that he had to be more passive than he had been before, and he was at the time. Um, you know, so, you know, when, when everybody was voting, what Russell Westbrook had more, um, you know, he, he, he was more willing to pass to other people. 
Um, you know, he his hockey assist rate was higher. Um, you know, excuse me. You know, he uh, um, he just he was more deferential to Paul George. Um, and you know, I think that deserves some credit. Yeah. Now it feels as I'm looking at this, it's kind of kind of gross that I don't have him on the list at all, which is kind of weird right now. But I don't know. I can't tell quite who I'd have him over. But maybe I have to bump Beal up. Kemba off completely and put Westbrook on there, but even then again, that's not. I don't know. I mean, he said he had more help than Kemba did, and yeah, we and, and we talked about Kemba. I had Kemba as my other guard. So I have a Kyrie Irving and Bradley Beal as the third team based on my other selections. Um, at this point, the third team is just kind of getting like whatever. Um, so oh, I think the negative impact that Kyrie, that Kyrie Irving had um, within you know the locker room makes the difference. Um, you didn't talk to anybody that said, you know, he wasn't an issue within the locker room. And it's not, and it's not just from, you know, a personality standpoint. It was, you know, the fact that from a basketball standpoint, guys like Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, you know, all of them, you know, they struggled from a basketball perspective, losing, you know, having the ball because, you know, in the last 10 seconds, when they throw in the ball, they go ISO. So, you know, Kyrie has the ball, you know, significantly more than everybody else. So that that's tough from a basketball chemistry standpoint. So when you combine the two, you know, his chemistry impact was was, was extremely negative. And, and this, you know, it was different for LeBron. Um, LeBron's impact uh, was more negative just strictly as a leader. Um, you know, I, I articulated on Twitter um, much more. Um, you know, then I'll get it today. You know, because I had a long tweet thread about it, but, uh, you know, it, it was, it was infectious in the, in the fact that, you know, he was friends with somebody that, you know, was involved in, with an agency, um, you know, that, that has another client who made the trade demands and, you know, everything went back and forth between that. Um, you know, and, and the way that he addressed teammates, uh, was a little passive and, you know, there were times that he, he didn't try hard at all defensively. Yep. Um, here's a more philosophical thing that's not so. Do you think Devin Booker should could have made the third team at all, or is that like there's like oh there's too many people. He's not their team's not good enough. How many games? Did he, how many games did he play? He tied Kawhi Leonard for scoring. He led a team where the second best player was either rookie Aiton or Ubre or Warren, depending on which t- part of the year you're talking about. Okay. If he if I had like an honorable mention, he would be on it. Yeah, because I mean, I remember, like, I remember actually, really, the last time to win one was thirteen. Goran Dragic, like, back in the day, I'm like, Booker's you played know, better than Dragic did back then. He might be the next guard I would select, to be honest with you. Yeah, no, oh, I, over I Kyrie know, Irving? it's it's incredible what he was able to do within sixty six games. I, I don't consider the the sixty six games part as much as I do, um, you know, the fact that the team played poorly when he played well, um, you know, as as well as he, he still has growth. Um, you know, there uh, he he needs to improve defensively. So he improved um, defensively a little bit for sure. I think most of it is that no point guard and a rookie head coach and some stuff. So we'll see. I don't want to get too bogged down in the Suns stuff today because this is not a Suns podcast. This episode, at least, we can talk about that for sure. Right. Um, right. So uh, what are your forwards? Because it gets really dicey here in terms of star power, but I think there's some people that are worthy. All right. So I want to give a shout out to Blake Griffin. Who who really deserved this. So I, I voted him third team. He completely changed from being 
uh, a guy who was considered detrimental to a franchise to traded. Um, you know, first of all, they they hug his you know uh, hypothetical banner in the rafters. Um, you know, and and told him stay with us, and then six months later he traded him. I mean, you know, and and, and they sent him to Detroit of all places, and so um, you know, for him to become a leader, for him to lead them to the playoffs, to see them. Um, you know, struggle as you know as much as they did um, in the playoffs without him. You know, having that um, you know ingrained in me, and and I felt this way before as well. You know, he is just so infect- infectious within that locker room. Um, there was another interview he did, uh, or, or there was an interview um, he did on TV after a game where I, I think he had hit a game-winning shot, or he you know had uh, the go-ahead basket to win, and you know uh, he was extremely serious. He was like. You know, these guys need to take these games more seriously. You know, we, we don't need to be up by this many points. You know, he wasn't, you know, cheerful. He wasn't jumping around. He wasn't hugging teammates. And a teammate came behind him and messed with them. And, you know, he just kind of waved it off. And so, you know, you, you could tell that, you know, he was being a leader. He was showing that, you know, they, they need to take this seriously. So, um, you know, that's something that I thought about too. So, Blake Griffin, I have, I have a second team because I didn't have Leonard on mine. So, um, uh, and it looks like neither of us have LeBron James or Anthony Davis on our, our list. Or who's your other forward? Right. So my other forward, you won't believe this, Pascal Siakam. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, Pascal Siakam. Uh, the, the way that he was able to stretch out defenses, I mean, his improvement was so important for the for the Toronto Raptors. It you know, really you know, was. Right. So he completely changed the way that the offense looked. So, you know, when he, when he gets the ball from three, it's not so much that you're worried about him you know, shooting from there, it's the way that he's able to propel to the basket from where he's standing. So you have to be worried from, you know, a driving standpoint, you know, that he's coming in. But even if you're worried about it, he's so long, you know, it, it, it's just like Giannis, you know, it doesn't matter how far you stand away. You know, if you give him that, that, you know, that ability to, to be able to, you know, jump from, you know, the three point line, two steps into the rim, you, know, you have to be ready. Yeah, so mine are a little bit dicier just because I didn't have, I didn't really consider Siakam. I think he's going to be on there eventually, but I didn't really think of him. He didn't come to mind. I didn't have Kawhi Leonard on there, so I have Chris Middleton and Tobias Harris. Okay, Chris Middleton, I think, is a great pick. He really, yeah, he's good. I can't wait for him to be even, I mean, because what is he, 26 maybe? Yes, I, th- I think he is. Yeah, so he's he's going to be, I can't wait for him to be like 29 and see how good he is then. Um, Tobias Harris, too, I love, I love the way he plays. He's kind of like, a jack of all trades, a little kind of like just able to do it all. And I hope that uh, they can kind of, the 76ers can do some stuff around him to figure out what Elton Brand can do for them. Who's your uh, center? Um, so my center was Rudy Gobert. Hmm, head Towns, but that makes that rude. Okay, okay, that Towns thing was ridiculous. He is a power forward. Wait, who, who plays center for the Timberwolves then? I mean... <laughs> It's ridiculous that they, they okay, so they had him as a forward and then they put him as a center. Okay. Okay, so on the ballot it said forward slash center. Okay. So there's no way that he should have been a F slash C. So, you know, from a forward perspective, he you know, it, it was ridiculous that he was on the he wasn't, you know, so there were voters that, that had you know, gave him forward votes. Um, you know, so I think he should have strictly been considered for uh for center, but I think he turned it on too late. Um, so I, I, I considered the full season, and uh, within that full season, 
uh, just Rudy Gobert's impact defensively. Um, they, they run kind of a similar pack line defense to Virginia. Um, and, and so he plays the anchor of that defense. And so, you know, when the, when the ball comes at the basket, um, you know, to have a guy, you know, that can protect the rim the way that he does, you know, I, I think it's extremely, um, you know, infectious for that defense. Um, I, what did you say? If, if Towns was a forward, though, he'd be out Siakam, right? I have Siakam. Over the, really? That's interesting, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just I mean, I his Towns... improvement was so immense. Um, you know, and, and plus, I mean, he's just one of, he, he was the second most important player for them offensively. And I think that's extremely important. And defensively, he's so long. You know, I wouldn't want to mess with him. He, he, yeah, he beat Draymond in one of those games for sure. But man, Kyle Lowry was dishing and just so you know, shout out Kyle Lowry, dishing the ball in those finals. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, anyway, so like, what, that reminds me, like, do you think that the, like, the Towns is like almost peaked in Wiggins? Like, man, that Timberwolves team is like not going to be good soon. I don't really want to get into the Wiggins part of it. Um, you know, I, I think there's some disappointment there. Um, uh, from a Towns perspective, he's going to get better. So, I think that there's a lot of optimism, um, but they need to put a good team around them. They, there's a lot for them to do in this off season. We'll see um, what their front office is capable of doing in one year. Um, I guess lastly on this thing, before we get to the cool, fun game is uh, we didn't have LeBron James or Anthony Davis on our all NBA ballots. Why? Okay. I think, I think the listeners deserve to hear us tell okay. why. Okay. So the first one, who, who do you want to go with first? James. Okay. What are your thoughts? I think, I mean, I agree with you that the leadership was something. Like, I think someone didn't put him on, on as well, and I like, I really like the reason, and I, I kind of just kind of agree with that. Um, you can't not play defense and not be a good leader and cause all this turmoil in your team and still, I think, was it, I think it might have been Jackie Mack. I know exactly what quote you're talking about, and, and this is, oh, this is so perfect. Yeah, I mean, you, you say the quote then, but like, yeah, it's it's you can't do that and earn earn these kind of rewards having Absolutely. a detrimental effect. Right, and and so you know we talked about leadership qualities and and positivity and and, and people that bring you know um, you know good karma into um, you know an organization. And I think Kemba Walker is one person that's a, a good positive example. Um, LeBron has been positively impactful in locker rooms in the past, and so he deserves a lot of credit for that both in Miami and in Cleveland. This particular season, you know, we tried to act like the big brother to some of these people. And then, um, you know, the, you know, the, the involvement with the trade um, is something that, you know, that you have to consider. And then you consider the fact that, um, you know, after the trade, you know, when the, and things were obviously awkward within the locker room, you know, defensively, you know, he would just stand there and guys would go behind him, you know, backdoor cut, layup. You know, and, and then he would stare at a teammate, you know, holding his hands out like, why didn't you help? You know, and, and it's like you're the highest paid player on the team. So, um, you know, you, you own the city, you own the organization. You have to you're the one who needs to step up. You need to step over. Um, you know, you have the athleticism, you know, get over there and help. Um, so I think there was kind of an overarching theme there, you know, that that I think is, um, you know, appropriate. Beyond the fact that they only won what thirty four, thirty five games, uh, they won. It was in the thirties or forties. It was, I think, it was in the thirties. Let me let me just check one really quickly. Yeah, I think it's the thirties. I think it was thirty five or thirty seven. 
Yeah, let's see here. It's pulling up right now. They won 37, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, so that's that's for sure. And also, like LeBron's team, like, okay, he's unassailable. He's on his big contract long-term for the first time in quite some time. And he just kind of – and then he doesn't have nearly enough veterans to kind of, like, do it. So he just he kind of, like, he kind of gave up. He kind of got distracted or something. Well, who knows what it was. The turmoil inside that organization is incredible. Well, I mean, he, he tried to incorporate so much of what he was doing off the court, you know, it, within the schedule of the season. You know, he says, I'm going to go, um, you know, zero dark tw- 23 or whatever he calls it. Um Zero dark thirty twenty three. I don't, first of all, I don't, I don't know why he calls it thirty twenty three. Like he can just erase the thirty and just put the twenty three in. <laughs> so you know that that's that's the first thing. But you know, also you know whatever you want to call it, he says that he's going to sh- shut down social media and he's going to lock in. And the next night, he was extremely lazy defensively. Let guys go by him. He gave up in the game basically. Um, you know, in terms of effort. So, um, you know, I, th- that really frustrated me and I thought it was extremely impactful that young core. It's certainly frustrating for them, but I'm just, as, as I'm thinking and thinking as, as you're talking devil's advocate here, it's like, imagine being playing basketball at the highest level for like 20 straight years and never getting a break. <laughs> right. Like, no, it's I, incredible. I, I have immense respect for him. I, I do. I, and any other year, I would defend him more and more, even early on in his career. Um, you know, that he was young and that as he got older, he was learning to be a leader. And then later on, he was a great leader. Like I, I should be very clear about that. He was an extremely great leader. Um, you know, and especially I think his uh, second year in Miami, um, was the peak of his leadership where, you know, the game had to be, you know, the whole team had to be passed over to him. Um, you know, with a lot of superstars and, you know, a mix of, of young guys and veterans. And, uh, you know, he created a culture that you could actually see tangibly, uh, you know, impacted on the court. You know, everybody worked hard. You know, I, I that was when he was at his peak defensively. So, um, you know, I was, uh, you know, a, a bigger advocate for him then um, as a leader specifically, you know, than people were at the time. Um, and so that's something we have to reflect back on. So, you know, I want to make sure I say something positive about LeBron. Yeah, actually, we, we, we both know each other. We, we know exactly how we, how we think about LeBron. The last one is Anthony Davis. Why is he not on our ballots? I think it's obvious, obvious. Yeah. You want to say it? You want to say it? Uh, oh, I, I mean, I guess, I guess I'm thinking it's injury. It's, it's not playing. It's, it's giving up in a sense, and uh, well, yeah, no, it's the the whole get, yes, yeah, the the trade rumors, the you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, to to have, um, you know, no control of your agency. Um, you know, one moment you have your agent saying that these are my preferred destinations, and then you go on TV and you say, you know, I, uh, you know, the other twenty nine teams or whatever he said, um, you know, are are going to be, um, you know, or preferred destinations. What, what was his quote again? I don't remember that quote, but like just the fact that he wore that T-shirt and said that he did someone they just lay him clothes out for him is enough to not yeah. give it to him yeah. right there. And they had to give him minutes restrictions, you know, to do that in your prime. You know, there are so many players, you know, throughout history that look back and they go, "Man, Anthony, you had a you had a good year of your prime. You should have used it." You know, a good example would be like Grant Hill. 
he would look at him and say, man, you, you could have won the MVP. You could have been the MVP discussions. You just stay out of this, keep your head down. We'll, we'll worry about this in, in, you know, April and May. But Grant Hill for injury reasons. Right, right exactly. That's what I'm saying. Okay, that's I was like, saying. wait a second. Grant Hill is not a drama queen. Right, exactly. Yeah, no, and that's not what I'm calling him, I guess. I, I'm just saying, like, he just – he wasted away, uh, you know, a year of uh, of his career from injuries. Or, you know, for, for not injury reasons. He regrets that during the legacy stuff at the end of his career. Right, right. Like, you got you to gotta rack up those minutes. You got to rack it up. Okay, so that comes the end of our serious NBA analysis as we are – looks like we are an hour and 20 minutes into this, which is the longest I've ever done, but I love it. This is amazing. I know. I'm just getting – I'm sorry. I'm just getting so tired. Let's uh, let, let's do this. Let's do this. Okay, so Johnny has a game for us to play. Let's see what – let's have him explain it and see what we do here. Okay, so, um, so what I wanted to do was try to figure out players' popularity that transcends beyond the basketball court. So I talked to my fiance, who is extremely smart, um, you know, uh, about the world, about the universe, um, you know, what's going on politically, um, you know, what's going on in the world, uh, pop culture, everything. I mean, she's very, um, you know, emotionally intelligent in that, um, you know, she's in touch with, you know, what's going on in the world. Um, she, you know, is extremely strong about, you know, everything except basketball. Does that make any sense? Yep. <laughs> yeah, we've all, the three so, of us have done tweet threads throughout the years here and talked a little about random things on accident. Right, she just doesn't like basketball, and that's okay. Like, that's totally fine. We just watch different television shows. So, um, you know, what I wanted to do was I wanted to see how players are crossing over into the world that doesn't include basketball, the intelligent world, the people that are smart, you know, that, um, you know, that, 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 you know, listen to, you know, parts of, um, you know, the, the political world, the, you know, the, they, they're in tune with the news. They know, you know, who people are, you know, for, for good reasons, as well as, you know, pop culture, you know, who they're dating, you know. So where's that, where's that crossover? Right. Where's that crossover point, you know, for somebody that's a non-fan, um, it's just sort of a litmus test that you have for like, at what point, um, does the stardom, you know, mix with their, um, their personality and their, their, uh, their marketing and their branding, um, you know, if it, if it transcends over. So, uh, I went ahead and I asked her who these active players, um, you know, uh, that she knew. And so I went one by one. And, and first of all, let me, let me throw this out to have anybody who has dated a Kardashian for longer than like a year, you, you know, you just, you can't have them on a list. <laughs> So, so I, so I, I didn't even ask her. Um, so I didn't ask her about Chris Humphreys. Obviously she's heard of Chris Humphreys. Um, and the other one was, I, I can't remember. I mean, Lamar Odom is probably. I think, one. no, no. Um, there's another one. Uh, Tristan Thompson. But, yeah. Right. Cause he's been with Chloe for so long. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I, you know, this is not, um, I didn't do Ben Simmons. Um, no, I did. I think I did. I, I think I looped that in there. You know, I was like thinking about the, the Kardashian thing, but, but anyway, I asked her about, um, about players to see if, if she knew who they were, but I, I didn't have, uh, Chris Humphreys in there. Um, you know, and, and I, I didn't have Tristan Thompson. So, so you gave her names and you gave her names and said, is this person an NBA player? Yes. 
Yes. Well, well, and also, and, and, and I want to make sure it's clear. You know, she's in the cosmetology, you know, industry. So, you know, for her to know the Kardashians, like it, it makes perfect sense because they're, uh, you know, involved in cosmetic lines, you know, but, you know, Kylie Jenner and, um, you know, you have, uh, you know, Kim used to be a model. Um, you know, I, I, she used to have her beauty product line and all that too. So. So what so, am I, yeah, what so, am I guessing? That's right. Exactly. Okay. So I went, I went through with her. Um, I said, LeBron, she said, I would know who I know his name. I know exactly, you know, everything about him. I just couldn't pick him out if he walked right by me. No. Yes. That's what she said. Wow. I know. Couldn't, couldn't believe it. We, uh, we watched Trainwreck together and she said, Oh, that guy. Um, so, uh-huh. so we, we finally made the connection. Um, uh, but, I was amazed that she wouldn't recognize the face of LeBron. Um, yeah, that was that was really surprising to me. That really blows my mind a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So okay, so there was LeBron, Curry. She said she would recognize him, you know, because you know him and his wife. Um, and she also said uh, that they're you know more in like uh, you know political news cycles and things like that. Um, so she actually she had. Uh, um, you know, had uh, heard of Steph before. Uh, I asked her, Clay Thompson, is somebody that came to mind? She said no. Um, Harden, she had Harden. Um, I asked her about Kevin Durant. She said yes. Um, she said she would not know what, what he looks like. Um, I guess maybe he hasn't been commercialized enough. Um, hasn't, you know, transcended in pop culture. Yeah, he doesn't care as much. He's a, he's a gym rat type of person. So yeah. We, so, uh, so then the next was Giannis. She said, hell no. Um, because I said his last name and Tom Takupo. And she said, that's too many letters. And if I would have heard of him, I would definitely know. Um, which, which was a very good point. I was like, you know, I, I don't know how to pronounce this. I totally understand. Um, you know, uh, but then I asked my mother, I called her and I said, Hey, have you ever heard of Giannis and Tom Takupo? And she has, um, you know, this was actually a while ago. Um, this was not today, but, you know, every time he's, you know, he's on the computer, he's on the TV, you know, she remembers like that's, that was the guy in the uh, 60 Minutes, I think he was, did, did a package about him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Once, and once they did that package, it completely changed. That and the All-Star game, you know, for him to be a captain, it completely changed over. Um, so, so for her to say hell no. Um, I was just shocked that they, that she didn't know, um, who he was at all. Um, I wasn't shocked that, you know, that she would be, uh, pretty emphatic about, uh, her decision, you know, when it, when it comes to this. Um, yeah, I would not assume anyone would know really Giannis unless you were a basketball fan. Right. Okay. So then Kawhi, no. Um, she, and she wouldn't know who, who, what, what he looks like. Um, uh, Dwayne Wade, yes. Uh, because of Gabrielle Union. Yep. Date. Okay. So we've done. Okay. So Damian Lillard. No. Ben. Ben Simmons. Yes. But she. But she would not know what he looks like. Hmm. Uh. Paul George. No. Russell Westbrook. No. No. Russell Westbrook. No. Interesting. Uh. Blake Griffin. No. And uh. She would. She would not know the look. She. She remembers the guy, but she doesn't like. She's heard the name before, but she doesn't remember what he looks like. 
it's like. Well, because he was more famous back before. Yeah, that was right. She was. He, he was in a ton of commercials, and he's you know been involved with uh, you know pop culture in a lot of ways. And he's you know in L.A. and you know you have to consider the L.A. factor and all that kind of stuff. So, it was too long um, ago for her to remember that. Right. So I, I, I was able to, to, to push her in the right direction. She, she couldn't remember who he was. Um, but, but so she could not remember what he looked like. Um, Pascal Siakam, I threw her away just as a joke. <laughs> There's a lot of NBA was, fans who don't know who Pascal Siakam is. The answer was no. <laughs> Very unfortunate. Um, then Carmelo Anthony, uh, yes, but no look. And then finally, so that okay. So the, let me let me get back to that. Why is that? Which one? Carmelo Anthony. Why is a no? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Why Why would you not know what he looks like? I mean, he. You know, her her whole reasoning for knowing was was Lala and the, the you know the relationship they had and in, in, in him being in pop culture. I was like, well, then why wouldn't you recognize what he looks like? You want you know that's that's exactly what you know. Um, you know, so uh, you know that was really interesting to hear. Um, you know, and I, I'm just, you know, speaking from, you know, what I think is really interesting about this, um, is that this is taking a totally different perspective from somebody that's outside of sports and saying, Hey, you know, let's compare these two, these two options. Um, you know, and and the other, I mean, both are, are, you know, totally interesting. Like, you know, if obviously I've heard who Giannis is, you know, but for her perspective, you know, she knows people who I don't. Um, you know, so you have um, to consider that. And so, you know, from that, you know, that's what I thought was interesting. Um, yeah. you know, and so I, I did Porzingis is a joke. Uh, I, 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 the answer was no. Um, and then I did, uh, Zion Williamson. And unfortunately I have to say it was no. Yeah. For, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. That, that was really, I was like, even the shoe, you didn't hear about the shoe, anything. It was just the fact that he hasn't been commercialized. Yeah, no, yeah, you can't, you can't, yeah, you can't make money off them. Right, right. That, and I'll, I won't go any deeper. Yeah, we're not going that, into that. That's a whole that, other podcast. Right. That's, uh, it's a whole other podcast, but, you know, the, the short term with that is that, um, you know, as the draft process starts, we haven't seen it in, in NBA uniform at all. Um, you know, so to finally have that, you know, it's completely different. He's going to burst on the scene. When do you think he, when do you think he'll hit his first, um, all NBA team? All NBA first, second, third. Yeah. Year one. Year one. Year one. Year one. Whoa. What is a rookie? I mean, what's the last rookie? Anthony Davis. I, you know, I'm going to pick him for my All NBA third team. I'll make the declaration right here. Wow, that's that's. Yeah, he he's going to change the league in the way that that no player ever has, including. Okay, let me let me backtrack. I just made a statement I don't like. Um, no player ever has is not true. Um. No player has in a long time, or very few have. Yeah, right. That would be that'd be a better way to say it. So, yeah, I don't know. That's pretty bold. I th- we'll see. Um, you know, Zion Williamson's impact. You know, being you know bigger than a linebacker. Um, you know, being uh, I think he's JJ Watt's weight. Um, you know, but he's also six foot six. Can you know you know, run the floor like a gazelle? And, you know, except if the gazelle was jumping like a kangaroo, um, you know, hopping along and, you know, he can jump, you know, is, is uh, higher than any player I've ever seen. You know, you combine that with his length, you know, his skill, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I, I, I thought that you would recognize who that is, um, you know, but, but it's just, you know, he, he's been so 
um, transcendent, but you know, it's, it, it really is incredible. All right. So, uh, retired players, uh, players that no longer play in the NBA, I guess. Okay. So this was unfair. I guess Dwayne Wade is technically, you know, announced his retirement. So, uh, you know, I mean, players that were active before, um, you know, uh, were not active before, um, you know, the season. So, uh, so Tim Duncan, she had not heard of him. Shaq, she said, don't insult my intelligence. Of course you heard, she heard of him. Yeah, she had heard of him. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's really interesting to think. So this was what was extremely interesting to me. I asked her why and she said, you know, he's in all the commercials, like he's big, you know, he's, um, you know, he's funny. He's in, you know, all the movies and all that kind of stuff, you know, to see, you know, and, and then she also talked about his business acumen and, you know, and, 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 you know, the, the parts of the, you know, his business, um, you know, aspirations and things like that, um, you know, end up in the news. And so, um, you know, that combined with, you know, the fact that he's been involved in pop culture and, you know, was hosting the Nick's Nickelodeon Choice Awards. And you know, I, if I remember correctly, or was at least involved in that and, um, you know, doing commercials and all that kind of stuff it was in, I think, the movie Good Burger. If I remember. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, but probably, yeah. Yeah, he was, and then he was also in uh, something called Steel, and then uh, a movie that should be burned. It was uh, uh, Kazam. Kazam, yep, I remember heard of it. Yeah, yeah. So like you know, he was doing that in the rap career and everything like that. So you know that made sense. Um, so uh, that that was a that was a yes. Uh, Michael Jordan, she said yes, obviously, and she got all mad. Um, you know, <laughs> saying like, yeah, of course, of course, I've heard of him. Uh, I know what he looks like, everything, you know, and, and so, you know, so if you want to go with the LeBron, KD, uh, or sorry, LeBron, uh, Michael Jordan debate, um, she had not heard, uh, or did not know what LeBron looked like, um, but she knew what Michael Jordan looked like. That's so, so interesting. Has, yeah, it's very interesting to me too. Shoe sales? Is it because he doesn't do as many like commercials and stuff? Like Michael Jordan, if you think about it, like in the prime of his career, did his endorsements with Gatorade and were was doing you know when he was winning championships doing the the Nike commercials and all that kind of stuff. The LeBron stuff has has been more um, you know working you know behind the scenes doing television shows um, when people have you know basically you know started you know cutting cable and things like that. So you know maybe it's not showing up in in, in the same circles. So um, you know that that would be one thing you know to be maybe can you know consider with this branding, but. But also, you know, LeBron's, um, you know, uh, his, it, you know, the fact that he still is just, uh, you know, a player under Nike. And then, you know, Air Jordan is, is his own brand, right? Like, so, you know, knowing what Air Jordans are, you know, those are shoes. So, um, you know, his, his ability to transcend, um, you know, the, the, the shoe market in the NBA um, and the world really, it, it really transcended the game. Um, so it was interesting to see that she had heard of, of him. Um, Larry Bird, she had heard of. Matt Johnson, she said obviously, which was interesting. Um, he's in the news quite a bit. Uh, Wilt Chamberlain, unfortunately, was a no. Yeah, you bet kills you. I uh, know that made me disappointed. We, we we talked about that for for quite a bit, and she said, um, you, you know, I think we came to the conclusion that you know the fact that he unfortunately passed away 20 years ago. Um, she wasn't able to hear about him, but, um, you know, he was, uh, um, you know, very famous on the court and off the court, you know, when he was playing in the NBA. 
um, not only his, you know, transcending the NBA from a basketball perspective, but off the court, um, you know, he was doing movies and, and playing at the same time, and you know, became, you know, a, a, like you know, one of the uh, most important, you know, bachelor, intelligent bachelors, you know, out there, um, you know, at the time in the cell, in the seventies, um, you know, eligible bachelors. So, what about um, uh, Bill Russell? Right. Um, Bill, oh, I did not ask her Bill Russell, but um, previously, I think her and I had talked about Bill Russell. So I think the answer with that is yes. Oh wow, that's cool. But that doesn't talk. He er, that, that doesn't count. He actually is. Um, one of the people that I looked looked to the oh, most. Oh, um, okay, about that. Right. So I I I think I said on a uh, on a podcast once, but she knows this. Um, if I could have dinner with one living person, it would be Bill Russell. That, there you go. Yeah. yeah so what is he like? Eighty nine now, eighty five or something? Right. Right. He's uh yeah he's getting up there, but uh, oh, gotta hurry. Him, it's like it's like seeing it's it's like seeing a former president to me. You got, you got to hurry. Yeah. So. Uh, Where that happened, everybody? Well, if anybody hears this, yeah. Bill Russell needs to have been, dinner. Look, it's great to see him in public every time he's there. Yep. Any any other final ones? Uh, Kobe Bryant. She said yes. That makes sense. Just want to put put that out there for for Kobe Bryant fans. <laughs> there you go. Got to have a Kobe mention. Hakeem Olajuwon, no. And Charles Barkley, she had heard of. Didn't recognize? Nope. Really? Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, it was interesting. But she, she said he, he's always in the news. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thank, yeah, I think that wraps us up here on the podcast, which I think is at an hour and 40 minutes, by far the longest I've ever done, which is awesome. Um, there's a lot happening here. If you like this, uh, follow us on Twitter. I'm at Eric underscore Sar, E-R-I-C underscore S-A-A-R. And Johnny is at Carver Johnny. Yeah, at Carver Johnny, yes. And how do you spell Johnny on that? Cause... J-O-H-N-N-Y. So everybody go follow us on that. And uh, come back for more podcasts. we got tons of, I got tons of episodes of this. Uh, go back, listen to some other ones. There's a lot of evergreen podcasts that can t- talk about legacy and, and get into some stuff on that. So check out that, solarinsights.net. Thanks again, Johnny. This was great. Uh, and ha- go watch some – the battle's over, but we got the off-season coming up. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm going to enjoy my summer, and uh, thank you for having me on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, everybody. Have a great night. Thank you.